Hey everybody and welcome to True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. This is Katie Weaver and I am here with my partner in crime and my sister, Christy Brower. Hello. Hello. How's it going? Uh, I'm well. How are you? Doing very well. Enjoying this not very bright and sunny Monday. I know. It's kind of humid. It's kind of windy. It's not too, it's not hot out there. No, it's not bad at all. I, I'll take it. Me too. I had a rare occasion to have lunch with a friend, which, you know, oh, wow. since uh, COVID, it's not very often. That's the second time I've been in a restaurant now in, well, a really long time. So mm-hmm. kind of nice to get out today and um, wore a mask and went to the mall with my teenager. So y'all should definitely be praying for me. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I've met her. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She just wanted short. I ended up going in half with her on shorts just so that we could get the hell out of the mall. <laughs> I'll pay for half of this if we could just right. freaking she, leave. She found what she wanted, but they were still more money than she wanted to pay. And she was ready to visit 12 more stores. And I went, you know, I'd be happy to pay half. <laughs> please, well, please brilliant. Start. It's worth $25 to leave this store immediately. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. And we got Dutch Bros on the way home. You know, you guys all take for granted. My town doesn't have a Dutch Bros or a Starbucks. We have nothing. Wow. We have, well, we do have a little coffee place now that, uh, you know, is independent. But we don't have a Dutch Bros, guys. It's not cool. Mm-mm. So well, whenever we... Um, coffee is, you know, more off limits than alcohol, I think, <laughs> in your town. In my town, Yeah. So, oh, that's hilarious. You're drinking Dutch Bros, too. Yeah. I am. Yes, I also went to Dutch Bros. <laughs> yeah. so anytime we go to a town with Dutch Bros, we got to hit it hard. So. Right. So that's what I'm up to. It's not all mm-hmm. that exciting. That's what it's been about today. Wow. Yeah. How about you? Oh, you uh, went to the dentist. I, I <laughs> went to the dentist. That was super fun. Yeah. I have some weird tissue growing around a tooth and have to have a little laser surgery to cut it back. You know, that's what happens when you get middle-aged. Your body starts doing stupid shit. Every weird thing (laughs) happens. Yeah. 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 So, you know, not that exciting. Stupid shit. That's a medical term. I'm pretty sure. That is a medical term. Yes. That's what I thought. (laughs) Yes. Well, as you all know, we have had lots of big news in the Dave Alvalo case. I'm going to back up with a very brief description in case you are brand new to this case or to us so that you know a little bit more about what we're talking about and why. For sure. In September in Rexburg, Idaho, and that's the town I live in and that Christy and I were raised in, mm-hmm. two children went missing. Their names were Tylee Ryan and J.J. Vallow, or Joshua Vallow as the law enforcement's calling him. His family called him J.J. Um, mm-hmm. Their parent, their mother, uh, got married and fled to Hawaii in the very end of November into December. In the very first part of or of uh, February, she was served with papers from Idaho demanding that she prove that the children were okay. She did not do that. Then she was arrested and extradited back to Idaho on five different counts. Uh, two charges of, uh, help me. Uh, child abandonment. Child abandonment. Two felonies. Two felonies. And then three misdemeanors of basically lying to the police and you know, evading the police. Yeah. Uh, She's been in jail ever since. Her bail was set initially at $5 million. That was decreased to $1 million. She tried desperately to make bail, has not been able to do so. Mm 
In the meantime, back in October, the end of October, a man named Chad Daybell, who we now know was having an affair with Lori and is Lori's uh, partner in crime. His wife died mysteriously in her sleep. Her name was Tammy Daybell. She was 49. She was healthy and she didn't wake up one morning. Two weeks later, guess who got married in Hawaii? Chad and Lori. Mm -hmm. So it's, that's to catch you guys up a tiny bit. That is a drop in the bucket. Oh. If you really want to get down and dirty with this case, go back to our files, go back to the beginning. We have now done, I think, 10 videos on this case. Yep. Why are we covering it? It's not our usual. We usually do a little bit older cases and we cover the case and then we do a psychic reading on it. We've never done that with this case. And I want to explain that because I've seen some others that are pretty disturbing. Yeah. And I want to explain to you why we have not done that. Uh, that's and, and that is breaking from our typical form. What we have reported to you is news, you know, that we have gathered sometimes from the news, sometimes from inside sources and sometimes from people that we know. So that's where it's come from. Um, and also by attending press releases, you know, as press. So that's that's where all of the information we've reported has come from. In our field, there, as you all I'm sure know, is a fair amount of fraud and poor behavior and otherwise, uh, you know, sketchy stuff. Yeah. We have not read this case because it was ongoing, because it is brand new, because the families of these children are following everything that comes out. And we felt like that was gross and unethical. Uh, unethical. Mm -hmm. and didn't feel good to us at all. So some people have asked me, why have you guys, why haven't you read it? Why didn't you tell us where you thought the kids were? We had our theories. We knew what we thought we knew. Um, and, you know, we have shared with people that we thought would be important to know what we knew. We haven't shared publicly because we are not going to violate our own ethics like that. No. If this case was two or three years down the road and we were taking a look at it, we'd read it. We would. Sure. Um, but because but ongoing. it was ongoing. Well, predicting death is tremendously unethical as a psychic. And anyone mm -hmm. who does do it is mm -hmm. breaking the rules. They should not mm -hmm. be doing that. It's wrong. And, and all you do is hurt people with stuff like that in an ongoing situation. Mm -hmm. And that's not our goal at all. No, no, no. For older cases, cold cases, fine. But an ongoing, fresh, right now case, unless you're working hand in hand with law enforcement, which is great. And if you're doing that, more power to you. But to just throw all of your theories out on the internet in a hurtful way, we're just not going to be those guys. No. Now, you'll go back and watch our videos and see that we do. That is how we read on older cases. But on these brand new, fresh, ongoing cases, you're not going to see us doing that. Yeah. So I just wanted to clear that up because I've had a few people ask. But mm -hmm. I think it's important because I know it gets confusing because of the name of our show and mm -hmm. because of what we're known to do. But I do think that it's important for people to know that there are ethics in mm -hmm. in the world of psychic work and that there mm -hmm. are legitimate professionals who treat this as uh, important and, mm -hmm. and and valuable and and needing to be respected. And, and absolutely. That's yeah. So there you have it. I just felt like that needed to be said today. The reason mm -hmm. we have taken such an interest in this case is there's a few reasons, partly because it's happening in our town. And the children disappeared from, I mean, they only lived a few blocks from me. Yeah. And uh, 
also because Chad and Lori, as most of you know, are Mormon. And well, we're Mormon and Christy and I are former Mormons. And we understand things about not just the Mormon culture, but the local culture that mm -hmm. may be hard for some of you to understand. And so we feel like we're in a unique position to report on this case in a way that we can make sense of some of the things that are being said and done in a way that you guys that aren't, you know, deeply, uh, you know, embedded in this culture, you just might not really quite get or understand. So yeah. that is so key why. to the story because it's their beliefs that have driven mm -hmm. this entire crime spree at this point mm -hmm. murder spree yeah and um you know not mainstream mormon mormonism definitely no. a fringe spinoff um but mm -hmm. their roots are in are in mormonism and so it, it does help i think for people to get that perspective and to understand it from the standpoint of people who who get the culture absolutely absolutely so with all that being said we want to talk more about chad daybell today yeah. So understand that if you don't know, last Tuesday the at 7 a.m., the FBI, uh, Madison County Police, or Rexburg Police, and Fremont County Sheriffs all descended upon Chad's house. They uh, had a search warrant to search his three acres of property. They were there with cadaver dogs and tracking dogs. And by about 11 a.m., well, at 11.30, they put out a press release. I was there, and I did release uh, a video of that last week, mm -hmm. uh, that they had uncovered human remains. That's all they said initially. The next day, well, let's back up. Um, Chad was not under in custody, though a lot of uh, people were wondering why. He was <laughs> just kind of chilling out in the driveway watching them dig. When they uncovered bodies, he drove away. Yeah. And they had to pull him over a ways down the road. He didn't get very far. They pulled him over and took him into custody for questioning. At that time, he made a phone call. He called the Madison County Jail and he spoke to Lori. And he told Lori that they were digging on their property and they had just called in a backhoe. And that was the last he's talked to Lori. He was held for questioning for several hours and by that evening was finally arrested and booked into the Fremont County Jail. He was arraigned the following morning, Wednesday morning. Uh, he's on two charges right now. Now, realize these will grow over time, but right oh, now they yeah. are holding him. Yeah, they charged him with two counts of concealing evidence, uh, destroying uh, human remains. Mm -hmm. Concealing human remains that were about to be revealed to law enforcement. The the. Mm -hmm. The uh, language is really specific, which I find interesting yeah. mm -hmm. that it was, you know, that I think we're going to find out more later about what that mm -hmm. means. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Human remains that were about to be discovered by law enforcement. Uh, and of course, yes. And uh, also destroying human remains or attempting yes. to. Yes. And so there mm -hmm. has been some destruction, at least to one of the bodies. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, speculation, a lot of rumors running around about what that is exactly. Mm -hmm. They don't know for sure. Yeah. Well, the unofficial, you know, unofficial under the table answer for us is that it was burning and possibly dismemberment. Yes. Yes. Um, of Tylee. And what we were also told is that JJ was left undisturbed. But we well, and we know that Tylee that. was the first 
killed by the yeah. timeline. Yeah, Tylee died, it looks like, days or so 10 more. days yeah, before. So that's where it all lands. Um, we were going to do this later, but I think let's talk about it right now, actually, since we're here. Sure. One interesting thing uh, that I haven't heard much on the news about, but in the video and pictures that we were able to see from the crime scene, and those came nearly all from East Idaho News from their helicopter. Yes. There is a picture, and I'm going to share it here, of a little black stuffed puppy, a stuffed animal that was sitting there. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even notice it. One of our listeners did. One of our watchers sent me the picture and said, what do you think? So mm -hmm. I took it and went to somebody who runs cadaver dogs. Not that was on this case. Let me be very clear. Yeah. Not that was on this case. I had a suspicion and here's why. Clear back when, Ty, or when uh, Lori and Chad fled to Hawaii, she abandoned a storage unit in Rexburg. And that storage unit had a bunch of the children's belongings in it, particularly a bunch of stuffed animals that belonged to JJ. Yeah. It also struck me because JJ had a service dog named Bailey. Mm -hmm. JJ was autistic. And he had a service dog named Bailey that Lori tried to sell and then uh, ended up surrendering in Arizona right before they moved to Idaho sometime in August of 2019. Yeah. And so both of those things grabbed at me and I thought, could it be? So I took that picture, went to a friend who runs cadaver dogs, and she verified for me, absolutely, yes, they would use objects and belongings that belong to the kids to help pick up a scent. She said, one thing you have to realize is they may have been not just using those dogs as cadaver dogs, but also as tracking dogs. She mm -hmm. said some cadaver dogs are tracking dogs too, you know, to try to get a feel of if the kids were ever there or where they were. Like they may have been sniffing out outbuildings mm -hmm. as well, obviously, as sniffing out where the bodies were. And they dug very specifically. They I mean, didn't. They clearly knew exactly where. Right. All hail the cadaver dogs. Mm -hmm. So the other part of this story. So, so I want you to know that that is our belief. That's not been confirmed by law enforcement, but that is our belief mm -hmm. that that stuffed puppy did belong to JJ. And it was used by the dogs to pick up his scent that probably helped to find him. Yes. So though cadaver dogs are sniffing for remains, they're sniffing for decomp. Uh, however, they could be also tracking. So anyway, that's, mm -hmm. that's the theory on that. Yeah. We shared the picture. Um, I haven't really seen anyone talking about that, but I felt like it was worth sharing. Oh, most definitely. I, I think understanding this as best we can, because there's so mm -hmm. much of it that we will never understand. Yeah. Now, why? Why did the police go there? How did they get yeah. a search warrant? Where did the information come from? There's a lot of speculation. Because they'd already things. searched Chad's house back in mm -hmm. January. Mm -hmm. Now, the thing you got to know is this is Idaho and there was lots right. of snow and the ground was frozen and, mm -hmm. um, you know, wasn't really probably possible to search the ground the way that mm -hmm. it is now. But there have been questions about why, why now? Yeah. Why now? Well, we have a theory mm -hmm. that we want to present to you and it is a theory. So know that it is a theory. Um, a lot of people thought that Lori squealed. I do not agree with that at all. No. Lori's response no. to this has been to go into a place of deep grief and mourning. I don't think that Lori squealed uh, at all. 
uh, Lori's attorney arrived in town by the end of that day. He was coming from Boise, so he drove four or five hours to get here. He got here that evening and has met with her several times. It wasn't Lori. No, I don't think um, so. Some of the neighbors, now that Chad is in custody, have spoken to the news and to the press and said, they, A, they feel a whole lot safer with him behind bars. Uh, but B, uh, they have, some of the neighbors had reported to the police that Chad has had a whole bunch of bonfires out there. Late last fall, they report, they said he had some bonfires and he's had a bunch this spring right in that spot. And that's really weird because he's never had bonfires before. Yeah. He's lived in that housing for about five years. Yeah. So that was interesting. But, so we thought, was that the tip? Was that enough to get a warrant? I mean, right. this was big doings. They had, you know, there was a ton of law enforcement. Ton. They knew what they, they were knew. going to find. It was and clear they knew what they were going to find. Mm -hmm. And they had the, the road shut off in every direction for a mile. Even the press release area where the, the press uh, could congregate where I was, was a mile from the crime scene. Yeah. You know, they, they, this was orchestrated extremely well. Yeah, very and, much, very obviously very planned. This was not rushed in any way. Mm -hmm. Except for putting Chad in cuffs in the first place. I'm having a tough time understanding. Well, we're going to get back to that. that. Yeah. We're going to talk yeah. about culture. Yeah. So, but at any rate, uh, so I found a theory earlier this, uh, well, late last week that really resonated with me. And I did a little chasing down of it today. And I think we're going to, we're going to roll with it. We're going to at least present it to you. So. Mm -hmm. I was reading through some comments in a news story and a gentleman said that he had heard that a local concrete company had been hired to pour an RV pad and that Chad was insistent that it needed to be in that spot. Now understand this was right in the middle of his property. It mm -hmm. wasn't accessible. Next to a tree and a, and a fire pit. Like it was not well, a weird the other place. Side of well, yeah, with a canal between him or a ditch between the road and, you know, where it want, he wanted to go. Like, it's not a right. place to put an RV pad. No. And he was insistent that this it had to be right in this spot. Mm -hmm. And the concrete company thought that was really weird. And they called law enforcement and told them about this interaction. And then, you know, within a few days... Law enforcement moves in. They go directly to that spot and they dig up two dead kids. Well, so. the other part of that, though, is prior to trying to get that concrete pad laid, he also tried to get a permit to put a mobile home on the property in that same spot. Mm -hmm. And the county denied him. There's all kinds of rules about how much acreage and how much space around it. And um, it, it's not a spot they ever would have allowed it because it was way too close to that canal. Um yeah. But they so, you know, made two quite public attempts to put a structure of some sort on top of that spot. Mm -hmm. and, and you have to understand, this is a small town and people call the cops on this dude every day. Mm -hmm. People see him anywhere. They're calling dispatch. Uh, I just saw Chad Daybell. He was wandering around looking at books. Just saw Chad Daybell. Right. He was at the dump throwing stuff away. Like people mm -hmm. have been following him and reporting him in case mm -hmm. he's doing something that's related. 
And mm-hmm. so he had no way of doing anything like that that wasn't immediately public knowledge and that wasn't mm-hmm. immediately law enforcement knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. He, well, and, and he messed up thinking that he was going to, you know, fly under the radar in Rexburg because it just didn't well, work totally. that way. Totally. But he overestimated his privilege. He sure did. It worked for him for a while. It Uh certainly did. But it it didn't last forever. That's for sure. No, it didn't. So, again, it's a theory. I cannot corroborate that that's true. I don't know the name of the company. And if I did, I wouldn't name them anyway. Because if they were the tip and the informant, there's no way in hell we would reveal that. That's not our place to do. But it is a very interesting theory that I think is worth considering. And we'll continue to track it down. And let yeah, you know. for sure. I mean, find out. at some point we'll get some confirmation. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I also want to say that we're hearing a lot of rumors that when Lori found out that Chad was arrested, that she went berserk and trashed her cell and trashed her pod. And I want you guys to know that that's not true. Mm-mm. That I've even seen some, you know, so-called reputable news sources that have reported on that. And it's absolutely not true. Oh, she did just the opposite, actually. Yeah, from, from, yeah, that was, yeah, it's, we all have to be really careful right now. And so do we, because we're reporting on this story and we want to be sure that what we tell you is accurate. And we can't always tell you how we know what we know, you know? And so, right, you know, I, and so we have to take a little journalistic privilege here in some cases. Mm -hmm. So if it's just a theory, we will make sure you know it's just a theory. But I will tell you with good authority that, she didn't trash her pod. She didn't freak out. She didn't have a meltdown. She laid in her bed and cried. That's what happened. Yep. You know, so refused to come out of herself for yeah a significant amount of time. Mm-hmm. So that's where we are. I, we really wanted to cover Chad today, but we felt like some of those things probably we needed to get to, but we want to talk a little bit more about who the hell is Chad Daybell and yeah. And so on and so forth. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to start at the beginning and we're going to share some things that we think you guys will find very interesting and a bit chilling. So Christy, I'm going to turn the mic over to you to share his biography with us so that we can get a better sense of just Chad as a human. So, you know, Chad's not exactly a well-known person, so we've had a little trouble getting a lot of information about him, but I did Mm -hmm. come across some info today. Uh, some things about Chad Daybell. He was born on August 11th, 1968. Ooh, he's the same age as my wife. Yikes. Um, he's a Leo. Yeah, he is. Uh, he was born in Springville City, Utah. He is best known for being a, a Latter-day Saint or Mormon author. Mm-hmm. He's written many books. Um, please don't go buy them. They're about to be pulled down on Amazon. But if you want to go look at them and see what he's written, they're there. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been encouraging everyone to not buy them. Don't don't support his uh, defense fund at all. No. And I have if heard. Look at them, though. You'll see a lot of bad reviews from people that, uh, <laughs> you know, have had enough of his bullshit. Oh, uh, but- yeah. Including pictures of his mugshot. <laughs> <laughs> with the their reviews, which have just turned up in the last couple of days. Uh-huh. Um, but that's what he's been most well-known for. He, uh, let's see, he attended Brigham Young University in Provo, Utah in 1992, and he did graduate with his BA in journalism. He was a cemetery worker, a sexton in Springville, um, Utah before he founded his publishing company, which is called Spring Creek Book Company in 2004. Mm-hmm. Uh, he published his own books plus 
um, other people. Mm -hmm. LDS sort of apocalyptic kinds of things, mostly. Uh Yeah. Experiences, lots of near-death experiences. Yes, lots of near-death experiences. That's true. He claims to have had two near-death experiences. He does, yes. Uh, He was married to his wife, Tammy Daybell, in 1990. She died in October of 2019 under suspicious circumstances, and that is still being investigated. Mm-hmm. Chad does have five children with Tammy. I'm not going to give their names, um, but he does have five adult children. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did marry Lori Vallow in November of 2019, two weeks after Tammy's death. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. And that's what we know really about mm-hmm. Chad. Well, he but- was a very prolific poster and uh, contributor to a website called a voice of reason, another voice of reason or a vow, a which is a known hate group in our community. Uh-huh. And that is a group that, yeah, they're a very anti LGBT group that anti Muslim, very scary gather, people. Yeah. And, and they gather to discuss uh, doctrine, Mormon doctrine and share their own uh, beliefs. And Chad apparently has had his own section on the AVAL site that has been all of his uh, talk about his dreams and premonitions and and people actually paid to be in that part of the forum mm-hmm. in order to get to talk to him. He has become a prophet of sorts. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the story goes that last year, summertime, he was in the bishopric in his Mormon ward. So mm-hmm. that is the leadership of a, think of it like a parish sort of, mm-hmm. of, um, of Mormon people. Uh, and so he was a leader in that group. He was mm-hmm. inviting friends from his ward over to discuss his religious beliefs and revealing himself as the true prophet. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing you need to understand about Mormons is that the leader or president of the Mormon church is called the prophet. Mm-hmm. And the prophet speaks directly to and for God. That is the mm-hmm. belief in that religion. And so he decided that he was actually the real prophet and he mm-hmm. was inviting people over to um, let him know. <laughs> yeah. Know. Well, he was inviting people. It sounds like uh, under false pretenses. Yes. Under false pretenses. And then giving them, a sermon about the fact that he is actually the prophet uh, that Christ is returning in a very short amount of time. In July, July July 22nd, 2020. And that basically they need to get their shit together and start following him immediately. Yeah. 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 So um, the leadership in his ward called him in and said, Hey, uh, we hear you're uh, saying you're the true prophet. What's going on there? And um, he was excommunicated from the Mormon church for doing that uh, Mm -hmm. because that would be considered apostasy um, and heresy. So he certainly has been setting, you know, a lot of people, there's a big argument about is, is this a cult that he's involved in? Is he a cult leader? Um, It certainly appears that there's been some attempt to set himself up as a religious leader. Mm-hmm. as a prophet and there are certainly people that have been interviewed that have did did fall for what he was saying and were listening mm-hmm. and following him mm-hmm. he to me is a great example of an intuitive person who falls for their own hype yeah and it's something that all people have to be careful about you know 
that nothing about what you may know or feel or teach makes you not human, not fallible, just Mm -hmm. like everyone else is. But he certainly um, crossed that line. And Lori and many other people followed him. Mm-hmm. He yeah. and Lori met in 2018 mm-hmm. at a uh, preparing a people conference, which was a prepper conference. Mm-hmm. Prepper is a big part of this deal. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he, it looked like he traveled around and spoke at the preparing a people conferences quite a bit. He did. Yes. He was tried really them. hard to get distance from him. But there's you know, evidence all over the internet. Yeah. Graph there. Their latest, um, you know, event with him yeah. listed as a speaker and stuff. Um, so I'm sure they're, you know. Oh, yeah. Lots of podcasts. I'm sure he's there justifiably horrified by all of this. You know. I'm not sure that they are. They want to separate themselves from this. Yeah, they're not guilty of anything, of course. But uh, but he was touring around and speaking on, you know, in their events all over the place. Yeah. And that is how he and Lori met. Mm -hmm. Um, It's been reported by a friend of Lori's that when they met, um, it was sort of like lightning struck. Um, Mm -hmm. They, you know, talked for hours and hours at a time. They came up with excuses to see each other. Um, They started an affair a long, long time before any of this other craziness went down. Mm-hmm. I have likened them to Bonnie and Clyde. I feel mm-hmm. like they um, form a sort of nuclear partnership that yeah. um, I, in, in as a lay person, I am a social worker, but I'm not diagnosing anyone, but I would just say in my own opinion as a lay person that it's two sociopaths that came together and created a psychopathy together. Yeah, in which they really believe their own stories to the point that they would kill people, including their mm-hmm. children, her children. Yeah. So yeah. that's a little exactly. bit about how we got here, uh-huh. <laughs> and how we got here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there Jack is. Was, oh, sorry. Go ahead. There is, you know, there have been some people that have said that they don't believe Chad about his near-death experiences. Yeah. They, he started reporting them after speaking to someone else who had a near-death experience, and then suddenly he'd had two of them uh-huh. and wrote books about them. And there are some questions about the validity of some of his experiences and if they were just being used to push himself forward rather than, you know, legitimate experiences. Because right. lots of people have had an NDE, but he right. apparently had never really spoken about one until he spoke to someone else about theirs. Right. Well, he, so the first one was when he was a teenager mm-hmm. and he was cliff jumping with other friends and apparently uh, was injured, I guess. I mean, that was never quite clear in the story that I read. Yeah. That he did jump from a, a way too high of a cliff that nobody in their right mind should have jumped from and something. I wasn't totally clear on how that was a near-death experience. But then uh, a little later in his life, he had a second one uh, in La Jolla, California, uh, surfing and hit a wave that threw him all over the place. And yeah, people that know him or, you know, family that are closer to him went, that's not true. Those things never happened. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But he says his theory, what he claimed was that uh, particularly the second one, that he only partially returned from the spirit world and has had a foot in both places ever since which has given him a unique way to contact the other side. 
Now, you know, some people really scoff at that. Some people scoff at the idea of contacting the other side. Some people, you know, have a religious belief against it. Right. I am a professional medium. I talk to people who have died all the time for my clients. I'm not scoffing it. I'm not debunking that, but I am saying that most mediums I know didn't have to have an NDE, you know, to have gifts, uh, and that he has chosen a very odd way to use his. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So he was a Saxon. Uh, he started working in cemeteries when he was a teenager and worked up into the role of Sexton when he was 27 years old and then uh, went on to bigger and better things. And then when the recession hit uh, back in, what, around 2010, 2008, he ended up a Sexton again. And a lot of people have found that to be quite interesting considering what he has done. Mm-hmm. And so we want to share with you the beginning of his book, he had one of his books. This book is called One Foot in the Grave. And I'm going to share with you the first chapter. I think that uh, it's really worth hearing. All right. And I'm going to read it to you. So are you looking for spooky stories, bizarre occurrences, and to get a tingle up your spine? If so, you have found the right place. Come inside the cemetery gate and ignore the mysterious shadows that seemingly dance away. Some people really love cemeteries, but a graveyard can be a frightening place, especially at night. Even in the most amusing settings, such as in Disneyland's Haunted Mansion, the cemetery is shown as a place where you'll get scared out of your wits. That portrayal might be on target. Let me tell you what happened to my neighbor while she and her friends were approaching our local cemetery during a fierce snowstorm. As their car drove slowly past the cemetery gate, my neighbor saw a middle-aged woman walking along the side of the road, carrying a baby in her arms. She also noticed that the woman appeared terribly sad and wasn't wearing a coat, although the baby was wrapped in a small blanket. My neighbor and her friends decided to give the woman a ride. It took a few minutes to turn the car around, but as they drove back towards the cemetery gate, the woman was nowhere to be seen. They parked the car and searched for her, thinking she had taken shelter under a tree, but there was one peculiar problem. Their own tire tracks were the only marks in the fresh snow. There weren't any footprints to be found. The snow was smooth and untouched along the road where the woman had been walking a few minutes earlier. My neighbor isn't the only person to mention this sad-faced woman to me. This ghostly apparition has been seen on at least three different occasions by cemetery visitors, each time in the middle of a snowstorm. Life among the headstones. Some people called me a grave digger, but my official title was Cemetery Sexton. However, a four-year-old visitor once called me the sexy one. That is inaccurate, but kind of catchy. Sexton is actually an English word for one who maintains church property. Since most English graveyards were originally situated next to churches, the word became linked to cemetery maintenance workers. But if the name still seems strange, just refer to me as many cemetery visitors did. They called me the guy. Such as, hey, are you the guy who runs this place? I think I'm going to call him a few other things, but I digress. Okay. Death is now a mystery. 
death has developed a frightening reputation in our modern world. We sometimes forget that for a thousand, for thousands of years, the burial of a loved one was usually taken care of by the family itself. Even some of our great grandparents were accustomed to helping bury a family member. Being asked to dig a relative's grave was commonplace. Today, we usually die in hospitals. A mortician takes away the body and strangers handle the burial. Family members rarely see the body except at a brief viewing, which adds to the feeling of mystique and disconnected from the deceased. But death and burial are things we all face in our lifetimes and our families, and a little education on the subject is better than the confusion and fear I saw among many funeral participants. So in these pages, I will debunk many graveyard myths, toss in a few true stories from around the world, and share some of my own experiences that leave little doubt that something awaits us beyond this life. I hope it is an eye-opening experience for you. All I ask is that you please leave any preconceived notions at the cemetery gate. Unless that notion is that Chad is a complete jackass and a murderer. You can <laughs> hang on to that one. You certainly can. That's fine. How <laughs> low can you go? You may have heard that when a person is buried, he is six feet under. That depth is more a myth than fact. Actually, we dig the hole about five feet deep, which is sufficient. The days are long gone when you could wrap a body in a blanket and bury it along a trail or in a cave or your back freaking yard. Right. Today, nearly all communities require that burials take place in a cemetery and a person's casket must be placed in a concrete vault. I feel like Ta Chad has forgotten a few things. Oh, uh, yeah. The typical burial vault is eight feet long, three feet wide, and three feet tall with the lid on. That means the top of the vault is about two feet below the ground once the burial is complete. I had to unearth a few burials, and I assure you that two feet of soil on the vault top is plenty. You guys creeped out a little by this yet? Mm, I totally am. Where is the burial vault? People often ask, why haven't I ever seen a burial vault? Here's a secret. The vault is already in the ground when the funeral arrives. A vault company employee arrives a few hours before the funeral and puts the vault in the hole minus the lid. The employee then places wooden planks along each side of the grave to avoid a cave-in. The vault employee covers the planks with astroturf before leaving, and he also puts a lowering device across the hole. This device has straps and the casket is placed on these straps. When the family has departed after the service, the vault worker simply flips a switch on the device and the straps slowly lower the casket into the vault. The worker then removes the straps, puts the vault lid on, and packs up his equipment. At the next graveside service you attend, look into the hole before the casket is placed on the lowering device. You'll usually see what appears to be a white slab of concrete. That is actually the bottom of the vault. When we dug a grave, the backhoe operator, backhoe, hmm, put the dirt in a dump truck and hauled it away. Once the funeral was over, we brought the dirt back and dumped it in the hole. We then tamped the dirt down and replaced the sod. I thought that was interesting too, because of course he knows how to cut sod. Right, of course he um, knows how to do all these things. Mm -hmm. 
Some cemeteries just pile the dirt next to the hole and cover it with a tarp, but it is harder to clean up that way. Of course, not every burial goes smoothly. The following incident happened during my first week at a, as a part-time cemetery employee. The sexton and I had just buried a wealthy older woman when we saw the funeral hearse come speeding back down the road toward us. The mortician hopped out and breathlessly shouted, hold everything, the family wants her wedding ring. We were already tired, we protested, but we finally agreed to redig the grave. 20 minutes later, we had removed enough soil to carefully lift off the vault lid with the backhoe. Once the lid was out of the way, the mortician hopped down into the hole and opened the casket. There the old lady lay as peaceful as a dove. The mortician grabbed her lifeless hand and tugged mightily on that cherished ring. After a lengthy struggle, he finally worked the ring off of her stiff finger. He put her hand back where it had previously rested and shut the casket. He angrily climbed out of the hole and said, sorry about that. The family should have decided they wanted the ring before she was in the ground. Seeing that woman's body shook me up for a few days, and I was glad to learn that redigging a grave was a rare occurrence. The incident also showed me that grave robbing isn't a viable option in this modern day era. Such a task is basically impossible to do without a backhoe. Even then, it is too much work. What would you take? Some jewelry and gold fillings? Don't waste your time. Yikes. Yikes, yeah. yikes, yikes. Yeah, that was chapter one. Um, and the only reason I have that is because it was offered as a free sample. I have not. I didn't purchase it and I won't because I'm not going to give Chad Daybell any of my monies. But right. anyway, I thought that was just so yikes and so telling. I also, it helped me to understand how someone could handle dead bodies and the bodies of children particularly in such a callous way and then just head off to Hawaii and act like life was grand. It occurs to me that besides all of the other delusions, obviously, that Chad and Lori have, Chad was very desensitized to death, to yes. bodies, to burying bodies. This was a little too commonplace for him. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's really chilling uh, to realize that he was experienced in, in these things because most people wouldn't have been so blasé. Right, right. Now, there's a lot of theories about... Were those bodies moved? How long have they been in that spot? You know, were they moved from somewhere else? Uh, obviously, we don't think that the kids actually died there. You know, where were they first? There's lots of theories about that. We're going to let law enforcement cover that. Mm -hmm. But there's definitely uh, a lot of energy in figuring out how long have they been there and, you know, what the hell was he doing? Mm -hmm. Well, and how were they killed? And how were they killed? Yeah. yeah. We only have just some very preliminary autopsy results right now that identified the children positively, but we don't have yeah. anything beyond that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Now, as far as Chad as the doomsday author, Chad had beliefs that certain things would be happening in the world 
that could be indications that the end was coming, that Christ was getting ready to return, and that he had a role in helping to, you know, prepare the way. And so he, a lot of his books are based on, they're, they're fictional tales, but they're based on what he thinks the world is going to look like. Yeah. Yeah. Things that he thinks are going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and not just those, happen in the future, but happen like next month. Right. Or have already happened. Yeah. Or have already happened. He quotes uh, September 11th. He quotes, uh, certain natural disasters that have struck. He quotes the recession uh, during the end of George W. Bush's presidency. There are uh, several things there, you know, that he has found to be signs and signals that, uh, you know, the second coming is nigh. Mm-hmm. Also, the wickedness of uh, Latter-day Saints, of, of current Mormons. Mm-hmm. Now there's he a says, lot of smacking down of current Mormons. Uh-huh. In one of his, uh, in the beginning of one of his other books, he says, uh, as the new century moved into a second decade, so this is his futuristic stuff, but this is what he thinks was happening. Mm-hmm. The battle between good and evil became more pronounced. In many ways, the righteous became more devoted to the Lord, while the wicked became more brazen in their actions. Pornography was openly distributed in most of America's major cities. And many laws concerning moral issues were relaxed by federal courts. He's talking about racism. He's talking about LGBT rights. He's, you know, these are the things that he's talking about. Thereby legalizing types of wickedness that previous generations would never have tolerated. Sadly, many faithful Latter-day Saints allowed themselves to be led astray by these many temptations. And the general authorities were constantly warning that even the very elect could be deceived. Remember, he decided that the very elect were deceived and that he's now the prophet. Yeah. Everyone's wrong but him. Hmm. Ding, ding, ding. The problem of apostasy seemed even more pronounced in Utah, the church's home base. Large numbers of saints became lax in their Sunday meeting attendance and other basic church principles, creating deep personal and family problems. Uh, Many families tied themselves down to unnecessarily large homes with equally large mortgages, uh, being unable to pay their tithing. He says that uh, Salt Lake City had become a place of crime and become one of the wickedest cities of the world. Now, remember that back when, I'm going to talk for a minute about some other players, when Lori's brother Alex and his new wife Zulima Mm-hmm. or Zulama. I don't know how you say that. I'm going to say it the way I want to, I guess. But um, And Melanie, Lori's niece, and her new husband, Ian, those two couples all went to Las Vegas together. Though, interestingly, Melanie Pulowski, in her interviews, uh, claimed that they didn't go together. There's pictures of them on the internet, in a wedding chapel, in wedding clothes. So I mm-hmm. guess she lied. Weird. Weird. Uh, all these anyway, people never stop lying. Never stop lying. Uh, and you can take this prediction to the bank. Melanie will have charges. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a prediction I'm com- very comfortable throwing out there. Mm-hmm. Melanie will have charges. At yes. any rate, uh, Melanie knew stuff. Not Melanie, Lori's friend, but Melanie Not Pulowski. Melanie Gibb, Melanie Pulowski. Yeah. Yeah. Lori's friend didn't. 
you know, and she has been working with the police. But anyway, uh, she said that after they got married, that Ian and Melanie left and came back to Rexburg. Now, this is what Ian told the FBI. It's that Zulima and Alex stayed in uh, Las Vegas to prepare earthquakes for Salt Lake City. Now, one thing that they have said about Zulima is that she can control the weather. You know, she's one of their special pups, you know. Right. She can control the weather. Melanie also had told Ian that Lori believed, Lori and Chad believed, that there were going to be major and devastating earthquakes rock Salt Lake City and bring the LDS Church to its knees around the end of 2019. And they believed that all of the chaos from all of the earthquakes that were going to hit would give them free reign to operate and do the things that they needed to do without any attention on them. Yeah, because no one would be paying attention. And boy, was that prediction wrong. <laughs> but also the church would be brought to its knees. So do we think that they thought that perhaps the prophet and the, the 12 apostles maybe would be killed? Maybe. That they would, that would be leadership. Right, that that would be Chad's opening to emerge as the new prophet. Interesting. Possibly, I don't know. You know, the the ego behind all of this is pretty destructive. Yeah, that it really makes me wonder if that was really the idea. Was that uh, you know because Chad prophesized a whole bunch of this stuff. The you know disappointing part is none of it came true. Yeah, you know, except for the self fulfilling prophecies like that they uh that Tammy was going to die, which Chad had been prophesizing for about a year before she died, you know, Charles, Charles, they had been prophesizing that Charles was going to die too. And by God, they both did. How convenient. If you prophesy that someone's going to die and then you kill them, you make your own prophecy come true. Right. I could prophesize that I'm going to drink this coffee and then drink it. And by God, it would be God, you know, it would be drink, you know, at any rate, uh, so that's how that kind of resonates with me is maybe what his end game was there, thinking that, um, you know, the church would basically kind of be decimated and he would be able to rise up as the new prophet. Right. Well, and then followed by his prophecy that the second coming of Jesus Christ is July 22nd. So uh-huh. none of this would really matter because then that happens and then they wouldn't really be in jail anymore and it wouldn't matter who was dead. And yeah. So that, in a nutshell, a pretty big nutshell, is who Chad Daybell is. Yeah. He, of course, is now sitting in the Fremont County Jail on a million-dollar bond. Yeah. So he and Lori are twinners. They both mm-hmm. have million-dollar bonds. Yeah. Isn't that fun? Chad's attorney is a real stand-up guy. This mm-hmm. gentleman has been charged with hurting women and has a... Uh, help me. I'm not sure what word you're trying conviction. to say. Yeah, conviction. <laughs> there it is. You know, sometimes yeah, I order the word, it takes a minute for it to be delivered. <laughs> brain. Yeah, of, for assault of a woman. Yeah, he's he's a real creep. thyroid brain, you know, thinking. He's also from the Boise area, like Lori's attorney is, which is interesting that they haven't hired yeah. anyone from here. I mean, those attorneys are five yeah. hours away, mm-hmm. which sure. is strange. Some interesting thoughts. Um, at some point here... I do still believe, and I'll definitely predict that Chad is going to be charged in Tammy's death and perhaps Lori will be too. I absolutely believe that the reason we have not seen the autopsy report from Tammy yet is because it's none yet. Yeah. We don't get to because yeah. there's something there. If there was nothing there, 
it would have been released by now. It would have. Yeah, I agree. But we haven't seen it. And we haven't seen it because there's something in it. There is a smoking gun. But, you know, they're going to take their time right now, law enforcement. They've got time. We have these two fools behind bars. Yes. And neither of them are going to make that bail. And so they're going to take the time they need. And I think they should. Yeah. There's definitely. some public outcry about why is this taking so long? Why are they doing this? Why are they doing that? Let's all settle down and make sure that justice is served. Tylee yeah. and JJ deserve justice. Tammy deserves justice. Charles deserves justice. Yes. And Joseph deserves justice. Yeah, absolutely. And absolutely. Alex freaking doesn't, but no. that's a whole nother story. Right. Uh, just a couple of things as we wind up um, some of the court filings that have happened relating to Chad. So he did, um, his attorney did file um, the, his intent to plead not guilty. Uh, his court date for that is coming up in July, July 1st, I believe. But they have filed for discovery. And I found this interesting because Lori's attorney has done exactly the same thing and asked for a huge amount of things he's been shut down on. Mm-hmm. Some of these things I think maybe eventually Chad's attorney will get to know, but I don't think they will yet. Yeah. Um, they want any written or recorded statements of a co-defendant, if any. Of course, they're referring to Lori, mm-hmm. um, who has not been charged in this in this same case yet. So found that interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, they want they want documents about the tangible proof that they have against Chad. Now this is about the search warrants that were served at Chad's house. They took a bunch of stuff away from Chad's house in January, a mm-hmm. uh, search warrant at Lori's house at one point. Um, so they've got lots of stuff. They want proof of any of, of any of that that they've done. Um, so I, I just find it interesting. I don't think they have to show their hand quite yet. I think eventually they will have to show their hand, but I don't think they have to yet. So we'll see what happens with that. But I know that when Lori's attorney made these same requests, she was completely shut down. Mm-hmm. Now these requests for Chad are a little different because they are relating to him directly. Lori's yeah. attorney asked for all kinds of stuff that wasn't related to her directly. So oh, he just shot in the dark in every single direction, hoping to yeah. just get something to help him with his case and got yeah. nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's going to no. be very interesting. You know, the, the next big speculation is what is their defense? Uh-huh. We know that likely their defense will be that brother Alex did the, did the killing. Yeah. Um, Alex, who's been dead since November, December. Mm-hmm. Uh, first um, part of December and his death, uh, while the autopsy has come back that he had a blood clot in his lung, it is still uh, ruled as a suspicious death and they are still investigating it. So yes. we still don't really know what killed Alex. It hasn't been released yet. But I imagine they're yeah. going to start with trying to blame the dead guy. Well, interestingly, we Alex was we'll foaming see. at the mouth. Yes. And Tammy's daughter had told Tammy's friends that she was foaming at the mouth. Pink, Pink foam at her mouth. Yeah. Both, I read from a nurse who talked about this, are both are mm-hmm. indicative of a blood clot or something yes. similar to that in the lung. Or a drug overdose. Yeah. So yeah. the question is now, what did they potentially give them? to cause yeah. that. Mm-hmm. So there's so much more here to go. And we gave it to Alex, but yeah. we'll get there. We will we'll get there. I think at this point, it is at least some relief to find the children's bodies and have at least a small amount of closure. Yeah. You know, yes. to know and where they been, are. Yeah. 
Oh, so much. And for the families, I mean, it brings an astounding amount of grief and relief. Yeah. Um, there have been, we did uh, last week, my daughter Mars and I set up a community memorial in one of our local parks for the families, you know, for locals to come light a candle or leave something. And then there was a really lovely uh, candlelight vigil for the kids on Saturday night. So at the end of this, I'm going to run a little bit of video and pictures of those things so that you guys can hopefully engage in a little bit of that closure too, because I know that people uh, everywhere have followed this case and also are feeling some grief and some devastation and some horror from it. So I want to share those things with you, hoping that that will help bring you a little bit of something that you need too. So yeah, that's, that's how we'll close out today is some videos and pictures from the memorial and from the candlelight vigil. So you guys, thank you so much for being here. We will be back soon uh, with something else probably. <laughs> I'm guessing there's not going to be a whole lot more movement on this case for a couple of weeks. We'll see with this case all the time. So yeah, but you have been listening to True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. You can find us on YouTube. You can find us uh, on pretty much every podcasting uh, place you can think of. We do have a Patreon. If you want to sponsor our work, all you've got to do is go to Patreon and find us and you can become a sponsor and get more content than everybody else gets. So, yeah. but no matter what, uh, if you will like, comment, follow us, those things help us a lot too, to just keep on keeping on. So thanks mm -hmm. so much for joining us today and we'll be back soon. And again, this is True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. Take care. Bye.